three or four moms, dads jumped up. It's so cute up here like that. So, all right. Well, this morning um, I want to share um, kind of what I started last week. I, I called it the review before the test. Today's the final, so uh, they'll be passing out your final exam here in in a few minutes. But um, September twenty seventh, two thousand fifteen. Anyone remember that date by chance? No, I figured you wouldn't. Um, that is the date that if you if you Google it. You only find one thing that really happened on that date. There was a lunar eclipse, the blood moon, which is kind of a rare thing. But there was a sermon that I preached that Sunday morning that I wanted to kind of go back to this morning and because it's kind of set forth the, the course of the church since then. And I think it sets forth, forth the course of the church and, and our purpose and destiny and so forth as well as we move forward from today, which is what, June 10th? June 9th? It's the 10th, right? So, um, what I preached on that day was titled, Do You Trust? It's kind of a generic title, but Do You Trust? And there's two scriptures that I used. I used Luke chapter 9, and I used Matthew chapter 14. And we'll get to the, the second one in a minute. Chapter 14 of Matthew is about stepping out on, of the boat and onto the water. But in Luke chapter 9, um, Jesus says this to the twelve. He says, summoning the twelve... He gave them power and authority over all the demons and power to heal diseases. So what, what was happening during this time is the disciples were with Jesus. They were watching what Jesus was doing. He was healing people. He was um, all kinds of things, miracles taking place. So he summons the 12. And I think it's important that he says he gives them power and authority. So he gives them full power and full authority to do what he was doing over the demons and power to heal diseases. Verse 2, it says, then he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So up to this point, they had just been observers. They had just been simply observing what God was doing. But it was in that moment that he said, okay, I've given you power and I've given you authority. Now I'm sending you out to do what you need to do, which is to expand the kingdom of God, to put into practice what you've seen ex exemplified. And he gives them these little instructions here. Which, you know, any good parent will do this, I guess, you know. Uh, Josiah's at a camp thing this weekend, and, and we were checking him. Did you put in shower shoes? Did you, did you put in your deodorant? Do you have underwear? No, no, no. He's very responsible. Actually, he had everything, but we were just kind of checking. But Jesus said this, take nothing for the road. All right, now, that's interesting if you think about it. Take nothing with you. Yeah, Jesus, you've given us power and authority, but... You want us to go with nothing? And really what he's saying is, do you trust me with the power and authority that I've given you? Do you trust me in what I'm sending you to do? And he goes on to say, take no walking stick, that's fine, no traveling bag, no bread, no money. Now those are the two I would have more problems with, no food and no money. Because when we travel, we have snacks in the car, but if we don't have snacks in the car... We have credit card, and we can stop at any Chick-fil-A or Bojangles or Wendy's or, or whatever along the way and get us a snack. And he said, don't take any extra shirt. So basically he says, do you trust me? And what Jesus was doing was preparing the disciples for some of the things they were going to face once he left earth, once he began to empower them with the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Spirit would empower them, and they would go out and, and do the ministry of the work. Because there would be times when they had nothing there were times they would walk into towns and, and be rejected. They would be persecuted and so forth. And so do you trust 
was the title. And I think I put this, um, do we trust when he calls? And I think for all of us, our answer is certainly we trust when he calls. But when the rubber meets the road, when we have no bread, no money, no walking stick, no traveling bag, it's a little bit different. And are we willing to trust him with every area of our life? Went on to talk about Matthew chapter 14, which has been a constant theme since that day, which has been almost three years, two and a half years. But Jesus was feeding the 5,000. He was a little perplexed with the disciples because he, they were asking Jesus, send them away to the towns and villages to get food. But yet they had kind of dismissed that power and authority that had been given to them that, that resided in Jesus Christ. And, and finally just said, okay, bring me the bread and the fish. I'll bless it. And uh, they fed the 5,000. But I want you guys to go on. So head on out and begin to, um, to go across the Sea of Galilee. But it had been a couple hours, maybe even longer. And they'd only gone about a mile across the sea, about eight miles across, but they'd only gone a mile. So verse 22 says, Immediately he made the disciples get in the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already over a mile from land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. Around three in the morning, he came towards them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them, have courage. It is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come, or come, he said. And we know Peter got out of the boat at that moment and began to walk upon the water, which as a fisherman, he knows the law of gravity. I mean, anyone knows the law of gravity in, in relationship to water, that water's not strong enough to hold up a person. Thus, you can't walk on, on water. He's almost testing Jesus, saying, Jesus, if you really have all this power and authority, can I trust you to do the impossible? And Jesus says, come on, test me on the impossible. Maybe not quite like that. And so Peter gets out of the boat and begins to walk on the water. And, and it's almost this revelation goes off like, wow, he can do anything that he's asked to do. Or he, he has command over all stuff. And then Peter gets fearful as he sees the, the wind and, and the waves and all that. I went on to say that day that Jesus is telling us to have courage and to not be afraid. And to believe God for the impossible. And then I ask this question, in what ways do you need to trust him today? Do you need to trust him with peace or life, hope, strength, job, or future? Whatever it is, we need to be willing to step out of the boat and into his hand and trust him wherever he may be leading and guiding us. Now, it's an interesting how the Lord has kind of continued to weave this theme through the church since that date, September 27th, 2015, almost three years. The only thing I talked about more or, or anywhere relevantly close to that was commitments. And a little parable that I said about commitment with Andrew McDowell just absolutely loves. Do you guys remember that? Commitment's like a breakfast of eggs and, and bacon, right? The chicken's involved, but the pig is committed. That's the only thing I talked about as much. But the Lord has kind of trumped that and made it a little more. But they go, they go together if you think about it. Commitment to the Lord implies there's a trust to the Lord in His guiding and His leading and where He may be taking each and every one of us. But the thing is, He wants every one of us to step out of the boat. Not just one person, not just two people, but He wants everyone to be stepping out of the boat. And this is kind of the lesson that I've learned over the last little while because this message was for you more than it was for me. 
You know, when you write a sermon, most of the time you're like, oh, this is a good one. You know, this, this word right here is for Brandon, or this word right here is for Michael. This word is for, you know, not really. But, you know, you know, you know where people are a lot of times, and, and as you're, you're hearing what the Lord's saying, you're like, man, this is, this is going to be encouraging, or this is going to be challenging, or this is, this is going to be whatever. And, and most of the time, you've heard me say that, you know, I've got to walk out the word that I preach, and, and there's a truth to that. But most of the time, when I preach a word, and I'm not saying, well, I need to go apply this, because I am, but it's more for you, if that makes sense. And so this message has been a lot for you, because it's my job to encourage you to grow in your faith and to step out and not be comfortable and not do all these different things um, that we see sometimes in Christianity, in America at least, the, the lukewarmness and, and stuff like that, but just to continue that you step into your calling and not get swayed by the ways of the world. And so what I thought was meant more for you may have been meant more for me in some ways. And so the Lord and I have had a lot of conversations along the way, and, and you know, he's, I've said, you know, I'm stepping out of the boat. You know, I'm doing things that you asked me to do that I haven't necessarily wanted to do along the way. And so... He says, yes, but I want you to step out even more. I want you to do even greater things. Maybe that's what he said. I don't know. He hasn't really spoken audibly. It's been more of that within the heart type thing. And so I want to share a little testimony this morning. Because, you know, over the past year, I spent a lot of time in prayer about direction for the church. You know, there's, there's been a lot of where we're going as a church. We have a vision. We have a mission. We have core values. We have different things along those lines. And in that process, you, you also, I've also prayed, Lord, what's my role in leading the church going forward? What's my role in this? What, what's our leadership role? How do we do this? How do we do that? And so forth. Most of the time, it's been, it's been about, Lord, what's the direction of the church? Where are you taking us? We've talked about buying a building. We've talked about different things. There's been a lot of prayer. But it's interesting how the Lord works. Because when you pray a certain way, sometimes he speaks a much different way. And if it's been a minority of my time that I've spent praying about, Lord, what's my role in it, it's really where the Lord's spoken more to me personally. And even as a family, that's where he's spoken to us. And so as, as the Lord has kind of brought all this together in, in, in all that um, and asking us to step out of the boat in different ways as a church collectively, I feel like he's asking me and my family to step out of the boat in ways that we didn't expect and so with that, we are heading back to the mission field. Um, and I'll explain that in a minute. But at this point, what I told the board is our time is up at PIC. And a lot of you know this. A lot of you know it because I've told you already. But some of you probably already sense it in the spirit in some ways, um, just because that's what the Lord's doing and, and the Lord speaks in different ways. Um, it's been an interesting process along the way. It's been very interesting. Maybe you can come and share. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I wasn't expecting so soon to come up here. Okay. And true confessions. I do not really like public speaking. And Stephen has been trying to get me up here um, to preach on a Sunday. And I keep saying, no, <laughs> no, no thanks. I'm, ha I'm, I'm fine. Back in Kids Quest. I love kids. I have no problem teaching kids. Even teenagers doesn't faze me. But, um, but this, is a, you know, this is a stretch for me. And um, 
honestly, I asked Stephen to come up here and share because I wanted you to be able to hear it from both of us. And I wanted to personally share the ways that the Lord has encouraged me in this process. And um, really, uh, I don't know, I'd say maybe two months ago, God started speaking to me in his word um, in the Psalms, which has been um, where he has spoken to me before in my life. I've, I've received a lot of encouragement from the Psalms and um, just love David's pouring out of his heart um, through the Psalms. So I just wanted to start by reading parts of Psalm 62 and Psalm 84. So if the tech fellows can put those up. Psalm 62 says, I am at rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I will never be shaken. And then if you skip down to verse 5, rest in God alone, my soul, for my hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I will not be shaken. My salvation and glory depend on God, my strong rock. My refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts before him. God is our refuge. And then the other psalm is Psalm 84. And I just want to read that psalm to you. It's called Longing for God's House. And I'm sure you're familiar with the psalm and the song that came from it. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord of hosts. I long and yearn for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. Even a sparrow finds a home and a swallow a nest for herself, where she places her young near your altars, Lord of hosts. My King and my God, how happy are those who reside in your house, who praise you continually. Happy are the people whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a source of spring water. Even the autumn rain will cover it with blessings. They go from strength to strength. Each appears before God in Zion. Uh, Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Listen, God of Jacob. Consider our shield, God. Look on the face of your anointed one. Better a day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere anywhere else. I would rather be at the door of the house of my God than to live in the tents of wicked people. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. He does not withhold the good from those who live with integrity. Happy is the person who trusts in you, Lord of hosts. And I think Michael shared that psalm or parts of that psalm when he spoke last. I think that kind of prompted me to go back and start reading it. And then the Lord just started really speaking to me and encouraging me that ultimately he is our dwelling place, that the Lord is our home. And um, it's, it's, it's ironic. A lot, of, a lot of you, most of you or a lot of you know our story that um, in 2003 we came back to Greensboro off the mission field, um, we were deported, so it was very unexpected. We just said, okay, we need to camp out in Greensboro. First of all, I was seven months pregnant, so I need a place just to rest. <laughs> and then we really needed a time and season of prayer. And so we came, we lived with my mom, had Nathan, 
you know, we were just really praying during that time, certain that the Lord was going to send us out somewhere else. And in that time of prayer, he said, no, stay. And um, we were like, ah, oh, shucks. <laughs> and, but we were kind of like, okay, we can, you know, this may be a season, a year, two years, you know. We're going to just plant some, I think we probably looked at it as like temporary roots. We bought a house thinking that we wanted to be effective in ministry and be committed, but we did not see ourselves living here for 15 years, which is the case. And, um, you know, over the course of time, God has, I mean, he's just so good, you know, he changes our hearts. He, Greensboro was a place that I grew up here, but when I left, I just had no desire to come back. Stephen was on board with me. We're not coming back to Greensboro. I loved my family, but I just, I don't know, I just didn't see this as a place for us. And yet, looking back over 15 years, it has become like a refuge. It has become just a place of rest and a place of blessing. We've had the church family. We've had my family close by. My dad moved here, which I never expected in a thousand years that I would have a season of time with both my mom and my dad and my younger siblings living here. Um, we love our home. We love our neighborhood. We're close with our neighbors. Um, God really provided for our children um, just a really unique community within their school, and they've been there six years now. We have a whole fr a community of friends and families there, a strong prayer group that I've been a part of for, gosh, I started when Josiah was in first grade, and he just finished 10th, so nine years of praying with, you know, with moms, the same moms, and you know, it's just been a real season of blessing and a season of community. It hasn't been perfect. There have been challenges. But the thing I think that's made it so special is that we've had this not only community, but communities around us to support us and just to enjoy. And, um, you know, I, I do feel very attached to Greensboro and all that it represents. But this psalm reminds me that ultimately, and this is for all of us, ultimately, God is our refuge. God is our home. He is our dwelling place. He is the good shepherd who gently leads and guides us. And, you know, I've seen that so many times in our lives that, you know, he'll just ask us to do the next thing, and we'll step into that, and then he'll ask us to do the next thing. And then, looking back years later, though we may not have made those choices up front. He leaded and guided us, and we just were obedient to that or tried to be obedient to his calling. And we see just, you know, just him working in our lives beyond what we imagined or expected. And, of course, we know that's scriptural. So um, when I think about leaving, you know, logically, I'm like, oh, it doesn't make sense. Like, everything just seems so complete here. And, like, emotionally, it's like, oh, it feels, you know, sad because of all of the people and attachments here. But I guess the best way to describe it is that it's kind of like that song that says, when deep calls out to deep, you're calling out to me. 
there's a deep place in me that feels the Lord's calling, and that is where I can rest in, even though my mind and my heart don't exactly align <laughs> with leaving that deep place is like, yes, this, you know, we've, we really feel like this is from the Lord. Um, and I love how the Psalm 84, um, you know, says, happy are the people whose strength is in you. Happy is the person who trusts in you. So even if my flesh struggles, like, am I going to be happy somewhere else? Or are my kids going to be happy? Because, you know, mama's heart's always about her kids and thinking of uprooting them and their lives. I just trust that this is true, that, um, that there will be joy where we, you know, where we go. And um, that kind of leads into the second part um, of what I wanted to share, and that is that I firmly believe that this new chapter in our lives is not just for Stephen, and we're tagging along, but the Lord has something for all of us. And, um, you know, I remember one um, time when we came back on furlough from China, I had a wife, a woman, say to me, I feel sorry for you having to tag along to China with Stephen. And it just, like, really struck me, like, oh, no. If anything, I loved China before Stephen, and he's tagging along with me. (laughs) But I realized, you know, I mean, just he is the leader of our family, so... You know, and and um, what we're stepping into, it, which Stephen's going to explain it in a second. It, it kind of ruins my second point, though. <laughs> okay. We'll tag team now at this point. So we felt like in in October. Well, we felt I maybe I felt, and we started praying more. There was a transition coming. October may not be the, the exact day, but in the fall. Carrie's in school, getting her teaching license, and so I always thought it had something more to do with that she's transitioning out of the home back into the workplace and that's going to change some of the dynamics of our family and, and all that. But um, when I got away in January, February and March and kind of got away from the noise here, and, and that's not a bad thing, but you know, when you're in a place, there's, there's noise, good and bad. And so to, to get back and just not have to worry about the church, not necessarily have to worry about family, not have to worry about this and just get before the Lord I really felt like there was a transition, and it, and it wasn't necessarily that. And um, was still wrestling with the Lord about, you know, what is that transition, not fully knowing. I came back in February. There was one weekend, President's Day weekend, I was here. And after church, uh, we went to Ruby Tuesdays, and we were sitting there talking. And, and in that, the boys kept asking questions about, what's training like? What's this like? What's that like? And then Nathan, where is Nathan? Is he, is he in the back? Yeah. Okay. Pop up, Nathan. We want, we want to see your head for a second. Santa. That's not Nathan, is it? Yes, it is. Oh, there he is. Who's on the other side? Is that Joseph? Oh. I was like, wow, your head got a little, a little more full there. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, he said, Dad, have you ever thought about going full-time in the Army? And uh, I said, well, yeah, but you are the holdup. You and Josiah are the holdup because you, you made it very clear that you don't want to move. And they said, well, I don't know if we've ever said that. We're like, no, you've said that. Um, and they said, well, we've changed our mind. We're, we're willing to go. We think it would be really cool. And I said, all right, that's just kind of the moments of what's taking place. And so I said, let's spend the next few weeks praying. 
And so we've spent more time praying. And when I call home, I talk to the boys. I say, have you heard anything? And they're like, well, not really, but I feel like this is where the Lord's leading us. And so when I say the mission field, it is a non-conventional mission field where we're raising support and going overseas. But the Army, the military, is a huge mission field. Um, you know, there's huge needs that are there, which is funny because we sit and laugh because, I mean, we always have loved and respected the military and, and people who sacrifice, but never saw ourselves around it, in it, involved, and, and even some philosophical differences maybe here and there along the way. But it's exactly where the Lord has placed us. And the Reserve Center, going once a month, has shown me the need that's there among the soldiers, men and women. Um, I mean, we, we dealt with issues uh, three or four weeks ago. A young guy saying, I want to take my life. A couple other people saying, I'm in a financial situation. Just the need that's there two days a week or two days a month and, and even not having deep relationships show there's, there's certainly needs and there's family needs. So we see it as a family thing. So it's all thanks to Nathan. So you can always blame him. Um, <laughs> and so when I went back to Fort Jackson in Columbia, South Carolina, I just put out a few fillers, just started talking to a couple people. What would it look like? Um, because I'm outside the age range just by, by a year or so. And um, the recruiter I was talking to, so we can get a waiver for that. Um, but you need to go, you need to do this, this, and this. One is an interview with a, with a colonel who is a chaplain. Um, and that happened very, very quickly. It should have taken a few weeks. And it did get postponed once and moved, and it got moved back to the next day. And even having like a sermon um, to be able to take to him that was, you know, recorded. I just happened to have one on my computer. I just, there's a couple other things that just happened to have with me. Um, and I went and interviewed him and with him. And he said, you know, it's a 20-minute interview, but it was an hour and a half interview. Because we started talking about the Lord. And the Lord just started moving. And, and we prayed for each other. And he said, no, you're ready. And I'm going to give you the highest recommendation. So that's kind of set the ball going to get age waiver and to get other things taking place. And so we have seen God move and do things in hours or days that should have taken weeks or months. There's still some things moving slow. And so the way it's working for, for us right now, it's not a done deal, but we really feel like this is where the Lord's leading. And there's a selection board in August and there's one in September. So my stuff is moving towards the August selection board. And so we should know by August. And if it doesn't get to August, then it'll get to September. And so what, what I told the elders in March is by the end of the year, I will transition out. I feel like if I stay past December 31st, I'm going to be disobedient. And so some of that's contingent on how the army will move, what, what will take place with that. But we don't have a plan B at this point because we feel like this is where the Lord's taking us. And we, we talked about it this week a little bit, like, what, what if it's no? And we're like, well, it's the Lord just spoke. And we'll, we'll figure out what the next step is because we know he'll take care of us just as, as Carrie's kind of shared along those lines. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm just really, I just really strongly believe that the Lord does have something for each one of us in this journey that we're not tagalongs, but that we're all part of this journey together. And, um, you know, I can talk about Josiah because he's not here. <laughs> but he, I don't know, I've just been really touched by him and just the level of sacrifice that means for him because he's entering his junior year. He'll finish that here. Um, and then, you know, he'll he'll be uprooted, and, and we don't know what he'll do for his senior year, but... 
he won't graduate with his friends. You know, he has um, friends that he started school with back in fifth grade. Um, and so they've been on the same sports teams now for five years. And they've just, um, you know, he just has, he just has a, a neat group of kids that he's grown up with. But um, if you know Josiah, he is like a steady Freddy. Um, after he went through his temper tantrum fright, temper tantrum phase he like evened out and just he's just this really easygoing even keel kid which I consider a gift I really needed one of those and um so you know I'm still just like my heart is just really heavy thinking about his senior year and maybe it's because he's my first and you know like I just have these thoughts of graduating with your friends and all of that kind of stuff. I'm like, Josiah, are you sure? Like, are you sure that you're okay with picking up and moving and being in a new place and finishing out school and not even knowing, I mean, we're, we don't know where we'll be, and he still really wants to go to school um, at UNC. And anyway, there's just a lot of unknown for the future. And he's like, Mom, I'll be leaving for college like a year later, so I'm just piecing out a year early. It's fine. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm not going to hold on to anything if you're not going to. I'm not going to have a problem if you're not going to have a problem. So, um, but he did. I mean, both of the boys have said in this process that um, they feel like this is God's plan and and their they want to follow that. And so, you know, as a, as a mom, I can't be any more proud for that, for their willingness to step outside of their comfort zones, leave their friends and their community. Are you crying back there, Nathan? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> and step into something new. And for Nathan and the girls, I mean, this really will change their lives. I mean, we plan, we want to live at least the first assignment on post, on base, so that we can immerse ourselves in the community. So they're going to go from being preacher's kids to military kids, and it's, it's going to be different. You know, like it's going to be a whole new life for them. Um, it'll be transient. That's It feels very missional, like the mission field, because you move every few years, and we don't know what's ahead. But we just really trust that God has something for Stephen as a chaplain, for us as a family, um, for my kids, um, ministry opportunities, life opportunities, just things that are going to shape and form them. And so I just really have a lot of peace about that. And I see how God's timing is perfect because even just for me personally, um, I'll have some responsibilities as a chaplain's wife, like teas and stuff, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. And now I know how to use an espresso machine. <laughs> but um, so I was not going to go back to school last August because Stephen was supposed to go to training last fall and then his training got pushed to the spring so August came and I'm like oh you're not going to be gone so I could go back to school but it's August like how do I apply to go to school and get in classes right at the last minute so I went to Guilford College met with them they're like yeah just come on and got in classes and started the whole process did two classes and 
the fall, um, three classes in the spring. And so I will, I will, I'm on track now then to finish after this next year, two more semesters. And then eventually, um, I'm hoping to be able to, um, teach on base. There's, uh, I'm a, I'm getting an elementary um, teacher's license, and there's elementary schools at every base. Um, so I just think, like, wow. I mean, I didn't see that coming, plan that out. You know, the Lord just did that. He just kind of put everything into place. I know that shouldn't be shocking. He does that all the time. But when it happens, it's kind of like, okay, God, you are a God of order. Your timing is perfect you provide and um i just kind of think like how neat it might be for me to be able to minister to families if i'm teaching their kids and just more involved in their lives so so anyway um bittersweet sadness mixed with excitement mixed with fear mixed with a lot of other emotions but um but a lot of trust in the Lord and what he has for us. So thank you for letting me share. Thank you. You know, one reason that we're sharing this today um, is to really talk about the future of the church as well and, and what that means if we're leaving in December just to have ample time to ramp up different things. And, and we spent we spent time in prayer um, since March, I guess, when, when I told the elders what the plan war, was. And then um, in that, I involved uh, four others, Ben and Stephen and Brandon and, and Mike, and just let them know what was going on and asked them to begin praying. And so uh, we've spent time praying since really the end of April, just asking you what, what's the direction of the church and so forth. And, and really just want to address that in just a minute. But you know, one question I think comes up is, you know, what, what's Michael going to do? What's Michael's role and, and all that? So I want him to kind of come up and share what the Lord is, is speaking and doing and has been. It's, and you'll, you'll see a, an issue of timing that's here as well, how the Lord has been speaking uh, and how he works, which I think is beautiful. So, blame him. Uh, but anyway, so... Um, when Stephen came back in March and told me uh, what the Lord had been dealing with him and his family about and his decision, I wasn't in the least bit surprised because, one, I had been praying for him even before he went to uh, boot camp and especially while he was there. And um, I knew when he came back, he was going to have something. I, I knew the Lord was going to have dealt with him in some particular way. I didn't know what it would be, but I knew it was going to be some specific way. And so uh, so my end of it is this. Well, mine and Cynthia's end of it. Um, <clears throat> again, I can't tell you the exact dates, but in the fall of last year, so one of the things that was happening is I had gone back to coaching high school soccer again um, from the previous year when I had had my kidney surgery and wasn't able to coach. So that was going well. I was uh, happy uh, to be involved with that. And I was praying and asking the Lord at the same time how much longer he was going to have me coaching soccer. And didn't get an answer on it, but it was just something I was keeping before the Lord in prayer. 
The other thing that was going on was I began to slowly realize that the strong um, preference, desire, whatever the right word would be that I had for continuing to live in Robbins was beginning to lift. Uh, Robbins is my home where I grew up. And I love living in the country. And um, so I was realizing that that was lifting last fall. But I didn't say anything to Cynthia about it. And didn't say anything to anybody else about it. And then it was after the first of the year. I don't know what the date was. But sometime in January. Could have been early February. And Cynthia and I had two um, really in-depth conversations um, about our future and what God was doing and dealing with in our lives. And um, so when I'm going to speak for Cynthia, you can talk to her afterward if you want to, but um, my wife is a very, very, very loyal person. And so when the Lord puts her somewhere or connects her with the person, she is, <clears throat> I mean, she's on it and she is not going to turn that loose until the Lord lets her know to turn it loose. So she has been at Fayetteville State University, I believe this year is eight years. Okay. And so um, her um, latch onto Fayetteville State University has been like my latch onto Robbins. And so when we were talking after the first of the year, don't remember which one of us let the other one know first, but in our conversation, she let me know that even though she didn't feel like the Lord was telling her to leave Fayetteville State, that she had gotten to a point, the Lord had brought her to a place where if, you know, she was to need to go somewhere or leave Fayetteville State, she was okay with that. And that was major to me. And I let her know that the Lord had done the same thing for me with Robbins. And she was shocked, you know. And um, so we were like, hmm, this is interesting. Because both of us have put it on the altar. And now we're like, okay, Lord, what's next? <laughs> so we still don't know exactly what's next. But um, we're praying about it. We think that our next move may be, don't know yet, but we're praying, maybe to go to Fayetteville or near Fayetteville, um, closer to where her job is, because the Lord is um, working some things on um, her heart regarding building more relationships with students and staff there at Fayetteville State University. And um, so when Stephen um, told me his decision about the church, um, he asked me, he said, so do you want to uh, be the pastor? That was an easy answer. Absolutely not. And so uh, he was like, you sure? And I was like, I'm absolutely. That's something that me and the Lord have talked about many times in the past. And I'm like, mm -mm, no. But and not just not just because it's not something I don't want to do. But honestly, I don't feel like the Lord has called me to be the lead pastor. And the last thing I want to do is be the pastor of something God didn't call me to be the pastor of. 
Okay, so mm -mm. so um, so for Cynthia and me, uh, we have decided to put our house up for sale, and we're going to see if the Lord sells it. And then if he sells it, then we'll start looking wherever the Lord is telling us to look for um, to move. Um, but anyway, we've made that decision. We had someone come and give us an appraisal, and they gave us a real good price appraisal on our house. And so now we're like, okay, we need to do a couple of things and then put it on the market, and we'll see what happens. So um, that's what's going on with us, and I think I'm good. <laughs> If you sell it early, I know Carol has a couple extra rooms, right? <laughs> we've, we've tested those out before. So with that comes the, the question, what about the church? And, uh, you know, that's where we spent time praying. And, you know, I think there's been three options kind of out on the table. One is to hire another pastor. Two is to merge with another church. And three is to send everyone out. Um, there's other words that are used, close the church, dissolve, all that. But it's more of ascending, I think, is, is, would be more appropriate. And so we've, we've prayed. We've talked to One Focus Network um, about what they would be willing to do or help. And they've just kind of offered numerous things, numerous options, and said, you know, what, whatever you want to do, let us know. And so we met a couple weeks ago, um, seven of us or six of us. I don't think Michael was there, but um, the three elders plus four, I guess, is, is the way to, to look at that. Um, so the... 23rd, 24th of, of May, that night, that Sunday evening, we met. And I just kind of went around and said, these are the different options. This is where we're at. We've, we've spent a number of weeks in prayer. What do you feel um, is the next step for the church? And consensus, unanimous consensus, was to send everyone out from the church. And that's kind of been what we've been thinking and praying. To hire someone um, you know, that's a possibility, but there's new vision, there's, there's new things. Can, this, can we as a body even sustain someone going forward financially? And, and what does it look like? Because there's always turnover in a church. Uh, the reality is when there's leadership change, there's turnover. There's people that leave um, for various reasons. Uh, to merge is a possibility, and we, we, we explored that possibility, but we're a unique church. You know, where, where do you go? Um, Go to all white church doesn't fit everyone. If we go to all black church doesn't fit everyone. Um, that's been our, our uniqueness, and we're not the only multi ethnic church by far in the city. But to find that one that that merges with everyone, it's difficult. We we had a taste of that in November, just some of the toughness that comes, and and that was on them and some issues that came to the surface that we weren't aware about. That just the dating process, but you need to date for a while and and all that. So. Just given the nature of, you know, we've really gone at it hard, if you think about it, in the last couple of years, a lot of outreach. We've, we've, uh, we've dealt with some issues internally as well, um, good and bad, you know, as we've talked about reconciliation, we've talked about social justice and what that's looked like. And, and that's really worn on all of us in, in a good way and, and also in a bad way that, that maybe we don't know, not a bad way, but more that it's, it's worn on us in ways that maybe we, we haven't known. And so... There's, there's been some thought about there's, there's a season of rest. There's a season of getting plugged into other places where there may be other programs where we can get built back up or not necessarily built that we've been built down or, or tore down, but there can be new life, new infusion, and sent out in a way to where God does amazing things and even more things as we step out of the boat. 
um, beyond that. And so that's where we're heading as a church. And that's another reason why we want to give six months just to kind of walk through this as a church community. And so, you know, we are looking December, our lease ends in December. Um, all that just kind of seems to come to a head in that time in that time frame and just begin to say, okay, what does it look like for each family, each individual, and to help each person walk through that process. Um, you know, some things that we've talked about doing is worshiping collectively at some other churches, um, maybe the Vineyard, maybe New Millennium, maybe some other things in between. And, you know, as, as a church, we'll go, but if you wanted to use that Sunday to go explore somewhere else, go explore somewhere else. Um, but having that open dialogue, you know, what did you find? What did you think? Would it fit this person? Would it fit, you know, there may be groups who stay together. Uh, we've talked about uh, spending time with families and individuals just in our homes praying and just saying, what are your next steps? What, what do you think the Lord's putting on your heart? And not just church-wise, but, but even like what's God calling you to step out of the boat and do? What, what's he challenging you to do? And helping people overcome some of those barriers and different things along those lines. And so that is the plan. There's some fluid, fluidness in the plan. Um, you know, I did talk to the landlord this week and said, can we get out our contract earlier? Um, just as a possibility. And so it seems like that's not necessarily a possibility right now, but we're going to keep working on them and, and say, you know, can we get out in September? Can we get out in November? Um, you know, just, just to see how that works. Um, you know, commitment-wise, we, we understand um, there's going to be questions. There are going to be things um, you may find. You may say, I want to start looking now. And you may start looking, and, and by July you might find a new place. That's fine. We're going to pray over you. We're going to bless you. Some people have said, I'm here through December. I can start looking in January. That is not a problem at all. Um, you know, our biggest thing, um, and not really our biggest thing, is, is we, we have finances and we have some surplus. But, you know, we're, we're doing the numbers and crunching the numbers just to make sure we can last through the end of the year. And, and, and so we've kind of asked um, everyone to continue to give through the end of December um, at the capacity you've been given. I mean, if you want to give more, that's fine. Um, and then whatever surplus there is, which um, conservative estimates seem to be maybe seven or 8000 somewhere in that range, but there's unexpected things that may come up, we would just give it um, in some form to a ministry. You know, we're going to support our missionaries uh, 14 more months, um, basically, because we want to give them enough advance notice to be able to replace their support. Um, there's some other financial obligations we have along the way that we want to be able to to give to as well. Um, there's a security deposit um, that will come back as well. Um, I think it's $4,800 that we put down to secure the billing 10 years ago, whenever it was. There's equipment, you know, so there's some of those things that we don't know it, what we'll do with chairs and soundboards and stuff like that if we'll give it away to one focused churches or to another church or we'll sell it um, or, or what. So there's some of those unknowns that are there and we want to be very transparent and open as we move forward um, in the whole process um, of what is there. So uh, that's that's the news, and, and I know that's probably a lot for for most people. Um, maybe it's a little surprising. Maybe it's a shock. Maybe maybe not. But I do want to take some questions. If anyone does have a question, um, as you process, you know, we're we're available. Karen and I are available to sit down and talk more. Um, the elders are are available to sit down and talk more as well. So as you have questions along the way, you know, it's it's um. I think most churches get to a place of closing, and I'll use the word this closing in this capacity, when something wrong is happening, when there's been a moral, fail, moral failure, when there's been financial um, misguidance, I guess, or misuse, or the church is through a major split um, and they just can't sustain because there's been split three or four different ways. This is not the case with PIC. 
Um, it's just come to that place where the Lord has spoken. And it's not just Michael and I that's transitioned. There's other transition taking place. And that will come out, I think, as you have some conversations with people that God's doing and moving amazing things. And, and Tracy said this, I think, to Carrie, possibly. I don't know if you remember you said this, uh, or maybe it's through Andy. But there was a reminder Jim LaFoon prophesied over this church long, long time ago. This would be a sending church. And it has been a sending church. But I think Tracy said, well, maybe God's just sending all of us out at once. And uh, I don't know how prophetic she thought that was, but because at the time I was like, you know, no, we're, we're going to hire a pastor. We're moving, you know. But you think about the seven churches in Revelation. Where are they today? They don't exist, but their impact still exists. You think about Jerusalem and there's persecution in Jerusalem in the book of Acts. The church was struck, basically, and it scattered. And through that came all these other churches. Um, there's one other thing on that. Oh, a seed must die in order to produce more fruit. And, and I, I see all that kind of the over Piedmont International Church that the Lord is sending in a healthy way, in a good way. And Suzanne had said this years ago. Now, PIC a lot of times is like an emergency room where people are coming in a lot of times where they've been hurt, um, where they've been wounded, um, where they don't have a lot of faith in church. Um, and God builds them back up and we send them out in a lot of ways. There's a core that's been here forever, um, but even the core changes from time to time. And, and that's just been the nature of the church. And I shared this with a few people, and, and some of you know her, but Ruth Cassandra. Um, is that her last name, Cassandra Hunt? Hunt. Hunt. Yeah, Ruth Cassandra Hunt. Um, we saw her at Cinnamon's wedding. Uh, Domris and her were good friends. And um, so she came to see Domris, which Domris was with us. And, and she just started talking to us. And she said, you don't know how much PIC meant. She said, that first week I came, you guys were a bunch of crazy people and uh, weird people. And uh, she talked about Joy taking her home and just what that meant to her that Joy would be willing. She said, everyone was so friendly. And she said, I'm not coming back to that place. And she said, I ended up next week. She said, after four weeks, I was drinking the same Kool-Aid as you guys were. And she didn't say it quite that way. She said, but I was, I was part of the crazy group that you guys were part of. And, you know, she said, it's meant so much to me. Um, there was a church that welcomed people. And, and from that, she's been able to learn how to welcome people more and more. Um, Interesting, I was talking to Jamie Barnett a few weeks ago, and, and he mentioned the guy who kind of led him to the Lord or came up to him on campus and said, do you know Jesus, named Josh Glass, and some of you know Josh. Um, and, and he said, you know, if Josh hadn't have done that, then he doesn't know where he would be today. And interesting thing, the next day I was on Facebook, and the suggested friends list first was Josh Glasson. Years, I've never seen his name on Facebook, never even thought about him, so I just connected with him. We became friends, and he said, you PIC has meant so much to me over the years and what God has done through the church. And I think we all can say that. And so this is an exciting time. There's a grieving that takes place. Uh, I, I've been grieving here and there, and, but it's not a failure. You know, it may feel like a failure, but it's not of what God has just brought it to a place where he's sending us all out into different things and says, well, I'm sending my best out. You guys are the best. And he's sending us out into the world. There's good churches in Greensboro. That's, that's what's relieving to us is there are some really good churches and really good pastors, people I trust, people I know who have a great heart for God. And so, um, you know, we'll have some conversations about that along the way. So is there anything else? Any questions? I think I forgot to mention. Okay. I don't know who's back there. I don't know who's back there this morning, but. 
Yeah, we can communicate with them. I mean, yeah, they can, it's recorded too, so I think it's recorded, right? All right, so we can also listen to it online. There are some people who aren't here this morning um, who don't know, um, so um, you're welcome to share with them, but I would ask, point them back to me. Um, I mean, you can certainly share, but you know, point them back to me, and, and I'm, I'll try to call some people this week who, who weren't here this morning. Um, and have those conversations. I mean, I, I don't have any. This is public knowledge now. This is this is the day it becomes public knowledge, and so begin to share. And, and if there's questions along the way, please, please talk to me. Um, talk to someone um, with any questions you have. So, all right. Anything else? All right. Craig, you want to? Craig's gonna close in some prayer. If everybody can just stand up and grab a hand, somebody close to you. All right. Lord God, we just come before you right now. And just like we sung about this morning, it's been talked about just that trust in you. Lord God, we thank you for what PIC has done and the ripple effect that it's had, Lord God. And so we just, we're so thankful that we have been able to be a part of this, Lord God. Yeah, there's some disappointment that it has not been able to continue on, but Lord God, sometimes there's, there's things that, there's a change, there's a, there's a time and a season for everything, Lord God. And so we just pray, we just cover the people in this body Lord God, in that you have a special place in a season and a time for their lives. Lord God, I pray that, that, that you continue to speak to us of what is the next steps, Lord God. Lord, I pray that, that you are going to knit the people in this body in somewhere else, Lord, and that they can be leaders, that they can be carry weight, that they can um, go out and do the purpose that you have planned for them. Lord, maybe there's people in here that need to be kicked out of the boat because they need to grow up. Lord, and if that's the case, Lord, we pray that you will do that also. Lord God. Lord, we just cover every person in this body. Lord God, and we pray that as we do begin this transition to whatever, whatever the time frame is, Lord, we pray that you will cover every bit of it. Lord, we pray you cover our missionaries that we've been supporting. Lord, and we just ask, Lord God, that you just really give us wisdom of how to finish well in this house, how to be a light, how to finish well, and to show people that even when things close, they can close with your glory. <laughs> with your, your glory. Oh. We thank you for the people that have come through these doors. We thank you for the lives that have been changed, the souls that have been won, the people that have gotten married, the people that have gotten baptized. We are just forever gr grateful that we can be a part of this. We thank you for the pastors that have come through here, that have carried the weight. 
that have also been sent out. We just pray that you're, you would just blow your grace, your mercy, your love on each one. We pray that you would just help us to develop a stronger relationship with you. Help us to realize that that it's no man that built this church, but it was only by Jesus Christ. We don't put our faith in man, we put our faith in you. So we just come today and we just thank you. But we do help, help us to finish strong and finish well. Lord God, we just thank you for this day. We give you honor and glory. In Jesus' name. Lord, I just want to take a moment to thank you. I won't be able to get through it, but for Stephen and Carrie, for Nathan and Josiah, for Ella and Addie, for their faithfulness, that they planted their lives here, that they died as a seed so that fruitfulness could come, that they've been faithful and they've been loyal, that they've been willing to change, they've been humble. We just thank you for them. Thank you for their leadership. Thank you for their example. Thank you for their faithfulness. Thank you for their sacrifice. Thank you for their willingness to hear the call to this next phase of their lives as well. I just pray that they are honored by you and by us, that they are appreciated and thanked. We say thank you, Lord, for them as friends, for them as mentors, for them as leaders, for them as just body of Christ, for brothers and sisters in Christ who have walked alongside us, who will continue to walk alongside us. We thank you, Father, that as each one of us is sent out, that we have the hope of glory where we all are gathered back together, Lord God. We know that. The church itself is bigger than these four walls. And so we thank you that we will glory together as we each go out, as we each accomplish what you called us to. There will be a celebration as we corporately achieve that which you placed us here. Let your kingdom come. Let your will continue to be done in and through each of our lives to your glory so we can all celebrate in heaven together what you've done. So we thank you for them. I want them to go out in blessing. We want to be faithful and providing. I know you've got all the resources you need, Lord, but let us be provisionary over their lives as they transition. And we pray that your good and perfect will, wherever you place them next, is according to your design, and we know that you will. So we thank you for them in Jesus' name. We're going to close in a song before we go. Is that okay? Let's keep her on my God, that is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are.
Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you, I worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you, I worship you. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you, I worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you, I worship you. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Who you are. That is 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 who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are.